more than 20 years in engineering and then suddenly decided to become a tech recruiter. But now he's here to give you insights on all things recruitment from an engineer's perspective. This is Dubel's Talks with your host, Mark Dubel. Hi there, and welcome back to Dubel's Talks. It's time for episode 7, and this is part 2 in a mini-series around diversity. As mentioned last time, I have an amazing guest this week. Reginald Davis, better known as Reggie, Uncle Reggie, or Cool Black Nerd, is here. He's joining me to talk about diversity, and he's not a diversity hire. It's a title of the show with a very good reason. Reggie is one of those engineers that made impression on me. Now, I can't fully judge his technical work, but I can tell you that his personality and passion are things that made me reach out to him and respect him. I know his team loves him, and I really wanted to talk to him about a difficult topic. Reggie was so kind to join me on this podcast to talk about diversity efforts from his personal experience. So we're not talking about implementing plans, we're not talking about designing plans, we're talking about the actual effect that it has on people now this is his personal experience and of course not the experience of everyone out there but i do believe his experience represents that of many so why am i talking to reggie well because i am afraid that all our efforts to diversify our teams have a psychological impact on the people we are trying to include more and reggie had a nice video on his twitter about this Basically, he said, I'm not a diversity hire. And he's right, he isn't. To be fair, if you never had the attention of recruiters, and suddenly they're constantly messaging you, then you start to think, hold on, what changed? Well, our efforts, the efforts of HR and recruitment, and of companies as a whole, they changed. We want to create more diverse teams. And our efforts to include underrepresented groups are getting bigger and bigger. That's amazing news. That's great. That is what needs to happen. But what's also happening is that people are noticing this. And that's what we're talking about today. Like I said, we're not discussing any kind of programs. We're discussing about the real-time effects of these programs and how it's experienced by an underrepresented group in tech. And that's why Reggie's on the show. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Before we go into the conversation that Reggie and I had, I wanted to thank you, the listeners. Over the last couple of weeks and months, I've received so many amazing messages about the show, but also tips on topics, feedback. And I want to thank you for that, because that's the enormous drive that I need. If you have ideas for the show, if you want to be a guest, have feedback, improvements, just let me know. I would love to discuss that with you. The show has a practical approach, which means that your topic or guest appearance is helping others directly. Everything has to be practical. So that's being said, let's listen to the conversation between Reggie and me. So strap in, because this is diversity through the eyes of two engineers. Oh, and stay tuned until the last part of the episode as I have a really 
really cool announcement and you are the first to hear it. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. <laughs> Reggie, thanks for joining the show today. Um, for those who don't know you, can you give us a short introduction of who you are, what you're doing, etc.? Absolutely. I am Reginald Davis. Everybody calls me Reggie. Uh, online, I'm known as Cool Black Nerd, and I am currently a site reliability engineer at Elastic on the cloud side. So I'm a big proponent of just getting more people of color in, into the tech space. So I have a local group in Houston called Tech for the Culture. Nice. And at Tech for the Culture, what we do is is uh, we we basically put on events that brings out uh, black practitioners within the tech space, allow them to come out and share their experiences, as well as just continue to educate and inspire uh, other people who want to enter into the tech space and give them a place to where they can network and ask questions and just begin that journey of technology. So uh, that's that's what I do as far as my community efforts. And, you know, and like I said, in my, I'm an SRE. That's what it is. Nice. nice. <laughs> I, 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 I'm very European. You know that. Um, so when I first started with Elastic, my first international company, I was kind of shocked with, um, with the whole diversity thing, right? Um, especially with how, uh, I still have to get used to the word black engineers, but how black people are treated. That's still very, very weird to me, uh, something that I had to get used to. So is this is probably a part of why you started to work on that community, right? So can you tell me a little bit about how, what kind of struggles you are currently experiencing? So currently, oh man, the struggle is so real. <laughs> um, well, let me let me let me begin. Let me begin by saying like where I really started recognizing the differences in how I get treated as a black engineer or a black technician versus other people. Yeah. And it really began from the very beginning of me getting into tech. Every time I would, uh, when I first started getting into tech, I didn't go to school. I don't have a computer science degree. I didn't go to a boot camp. Um, I literally am somebody that went on YouTube and went to free code camp and places like that and just started programming, started figuring yep. out how to put this thing together. Uh, and, and one thing and one aspect about getting into tech was that I knew I needed to get involved in the community. That's just something that's kind of pretty much a hallmark, especially most black communities is like in order for you to really like get involved and kind of get tapped in, you kind of got to get involved in the community. I think that's just yep. anything. Um, and so I got involved with the community in Houston and I would notice that the just, <laughs> you know, now I wouldn't necessarily say disrespect, but I always notice like how people treated me when I asked the questions versus how people treat the other people when they ask mm -hmm. questions. Right. And, you know, it, I, it almost was like, it felt like at times very demeaning. Yeah. Like you should, you know what I'm saying? Very just kind of like, uh, like, how don't you know that? Why don't you know that? That gets that just that kind of energy. And, you know, somebody could ask a question along the same lines or within the same vein of what I'm asking, and they would get a completely different energy. And so that's hard. Oh, yeah, please. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's different. It's different. Yeah. You see, it. I see it all the time. <laughs> I see, I mean, I, I still see it. Um, and it's one of those things where, you start realizing like the way I, you know, I started realizing the way I learn, the way I communicate, the way I understand things around me is different from what you would typically find in this space. And so one of the big things that I, I've noticed 
in this space that I continue to struggle with is just the acceptance of a different perspective, right? I feel like uh, a lot of times in technology, because technology is built by typically one group of people or communicated about through one group of people, that when another person comes into the conversation and invites a different perspective or says, hey, have we thought about it like this or are we thinking about it like this or what, what's, what's kind of going on here? It's not always the most welcome. Um, <laughs> it's almost not the most welcome question. It's almost not the most welcome uh, entry into the conversation, if you will. And, uh, and that, that is the thing that different people, different people uh, kind of act on it in different ways. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's just, it's consistent. It don't matter if this is like a black man or if it's a black woman or it's whatever, however their age, whatever their age range is, it's typically energy that you typically see unless you kind of have this kind of like, um, I don't know how to, how to put it. You always kind of have some black people that they're so good that, okay, well, you kind of have to demand the respect of them. So they, they might honor and, and love and respect those people. Yeah. But then it's the other people that you still kind of treat like whatever. So it's like, well, this person is good enough to sit here at the table and have the conversation, but this other person isn't good enough to uh, be at the table and have the conversation or to ask the questions or provide the perspective and so on and so forth. And so as a black engineer, it kind of sucks because I feel like there are times where I feel like, and I, I would be remiss if this probably isn't a common energy amongst most black people, which is the whole, why we got to work twice as hard to be, you know, have a good or whatever. Um, this idea that I have to be the superstar engineer in order for me to be heard. I have to be the superstar engineer. I have to be the engineer that knows all the things. I got to be able to code all of the, I got to be able to code all of the uh, APIs. I got to be able to understand all the metrics. I got to be able to understand all the dashboards. And not only that, but I I also have to be able to communicate my understanding at a level that's even above the people that are around me. Like I, I like even though I have to be even my communication skills have to be that much tighter. If not, then I notice that my opinions get dismissed or get overrided. Or somebody might say, no, that's like you're looking at the wrong thing. And is that so just f- to get it clear for me, right? Is that pure because you're black or because you have a different approach? Because that's a different thing as well, right? All cultural things. Even I notice it when I talk to people in the US. Um, I'm Dutch, so that means I'm straightforward, like quite blunt, <laughs> to be fair. Um, and I already know that 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 gets picked up very different. So is it more of a cultural thing or more on that they plainly look at your skin color and think like, uh, what's the, the experience there? It could definitely be a bit of both. I think I think a lot of times it's definitely a it could definitely be a cultural thing. But I know my experience because I can only speak on my experience, right? I know that I cannot come in kicking and screaming as an engineer. I cannot, or at least I have not been giving the rope to come into an environment and be able to kick and be able to scream and see things change and see things happen, right? The way that I've been able to see other people come in. And the loudest will, the, the the loudest will usually gets the oil, right? That's usually how it goes. That's how the saying goes. But in my case, if even if I was the loudest will, I, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to get the oil. Hmm. I'm that not going to get the oil. Why? 
You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to get the oil because of the simple fact that I may not necessarily have the relationships with certain people that are involved in the conversation. And then what people have to understand is, is that me having a different background or me coming from a different culture or something like that, that can be a barrier for somebody wanting to build a relationship with me. So those same relate. I go into a meeting with a couple higher ups, a couple team team leaders, whoever. Those team leaders might be cool. They have relationships with each other. They, uh, you know, they they have places where they they're cool, right? Um, but me coming from a different culture, having a different background, maybe even just living a different lifestyle, that doesn't invite me to being able to build those relationships with those people because where do we meet? Yep. Where is our middle ground? If you listen to country music and I listen to hip hop. <laughs> yep, that's, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, you know, what I'm saying when I go out, when you know, when I go out to eat, maybe I like, I like chicken, or maybe you have some di- dietary restriction, whatever. And this is just a cultural. This is a culture. This is not a being a black or being, but I, I, I want to want the emphasis to be on culture, yeah. because that's where that's where we find the middle ground. And if culturally we are coming from very different places, we never have a place to meet the middle. And and a lot of times as a black person. I find myself having to culturally acquiesce to other cultures more so than they will acquiesce to my culture because they're the majority. Yeah, that's that's a huge thing. Um, so my background is in military. And even there, you see that if you're coming from the outside with even a little bit of a different mindset, it's not you're you are not going to survive. It's so weird. If you're not like the rest, it's, it's going to be twice as hard. It's hard. Hey, um, if you're not like the rest, yeah, indeed. Hey, and you mentioned something really good, right? It's finding that middle ground. So we talked a little bit about this before we started the show um, uh, last week, um, and it was about that that whole DNI thing, right? It shouldn't be a formula. It shouldn't be an algorithm. It's it's all about empathy. Uh, people are people instead of numbers, right? Um, what I noticed is that a lot of companies are hiring for diversity and then it's about the numbers it's about x amount of black people x amount of women x amount of latinx depending on on where the diversity is seen as diversity right because if you go to europe um our terms of diversity are completely different um if you go to asia their idea of diversity is completely different but we're we're constantly talking about DNI and, and building out DNI programs and efforts, and that's why I wanted to talk to you. So most people just talk to uh, thought leaders or uh, heads of DNI, those kind of uh, types of of roles. And I wanted to hear your thoughts because DNI it sounds amazing, right? It's it's the new savior. We're gonna make DNI teams everywhere. We're gonna make sure that everybody feels included and that we open up for all kinds of diversity. It doesn't really matter which, which kind, right? In the end, it's mostly cultural, uh, to be fair. Um, so ha- what have you seen happening there? Did something actually happen? Do you feel that things are changing? Um, numbers are getting better, but I think I believe there's still probably going to be some cultural issues going on there, right? Because I think there's a disconnect between what the business sees as diversity and what the actual teams are looking yes. at as as diversity. I think there's definitely a big disconnect there between between the, the teams and the business because what it seems like is, is the business recognizes that diversity is saying diversity and inclusion. That's a hot word, right? That's yeah. like, a, oh, yeah, diversity and inclusion because it brings a level of credibility and a level of validation 
to the business as far as like them paying attention to actually what's going on in the news, right? What's what's actually happening in America. Yeah. So as a, as a re, as a, a a reaction to that, they say, okay, well, cool. We want to create more opportunities for these people from these communities that have not necessarily always have had opportunities, right? And it, and, it, and it's great. Like I, I love it. However, there is a huge disconnect from what the company believes is going to be diversity and how that fits within the zeitgeist of their company. And what a team is actually looking at as what's going to make them like a good, productive, diverse team thing. Like that, there's a huge disconnect. There's a huge disconnect. And I think that's because the I think sometimes the ideas, I, I think culture gets lost between the people on the ground and the people up top. Yeah, that's why I wanted to talk to you. <laughs> You're listening to Dubel's Talks with your host, Mark Dubel. What you said is the teams don't really align with the higher level, right? And this is why I wanted to talk to you. This is so super important for me because I had a feeling that a lot of companies are doing the right thing, right? They're doing the right thing. There's nothing wrong with it. But sometimes yeah. the approach is a yeah. little bit wrong because the company is ready for it. But are the teams ready for it, right? And we spoke a little bit about that uh, before as well. So you mentioned already there's a disconnect. So how do you feel that disconnect? How do I feel the disconnect? Man, a lot of times the the <laughs> the disconnect comes from, uh, especially when you hear leaders like leaders that are overly optimistic and overly confident about the way things are progressing. Yeah. And what I mean by that is is that you believe there's progress happening, but there's not always progress happening. I think sometimes what, what happens is it's like you maybe there's progress happening in one part of the system, but there is yeah. not progress happening in another part of the system. So to to compensate for that, you kind of make this blanket assumption about that there's this general progress being made. But sometimes the reason why other people aren't making the same amount of progress as others is because there's some dysfunction going on. There may be something there may there, there's there's a misdirection. There's uh, people that aren't on the same page about things. And to me, that, that is a cultural problem. Yeah. Right. If, if people are not on the same page to where they cannot communicate with things and they cannot come together and come up with solutions and come up with with outcomes for things, then that is an issue. That is, that is a cultural issue because at the end of the day, the goal should be on whatever the company's vision for the for the end user, the end customer is, right? Like at the end of the day, if we want if we want to make sure we're giving our our customers or whoever the best service or the best product that they possibly can have, then everybody within the organization needs to be on the same page as far as like when we make decisions, it's with that in mind. I like that. I like that. Hey. DNI, we started that everywhere, right? And and this is this is what I really want to talk about because this is so interesting, right? We're going to talk a little bit about solving the issues after the hiring part because there are a lot of issues. We talked about that as, as well. But let's start with the hiring part because, hey, we met in a different way, right? Mm -hmm. You're not just a colleague. Um, I was the lucky one to actually hire you and find you. Um, so for the ones listening... Um, I met Reggie because I had a hiring manager saying, hey, listen, I found this dude on on, on Twitch, a streaming platform, really liked what he was saying, reach out to him and try if we can get him. So I looked you up on Twitch, saw your videos, actually was impressed, 
went into uh, in, into Twitter, and then I found a video on of on YouTube, and that video changed my complete approach. I met you as Uncle Re Uncle Reggie, and the first thing I saw on your Twitter feed was something about I'm not a diversity hire. Now this episode is called I'm not a diversity hire because of that reason, right? When I approached you, I had to completely adjust my outreach because normally I just tell people, hey, you're great. I won't work with you. All those kind of things, right? I tell you why, et cetera, et cetera. But now I had to approach somebody that said, hey, people, I'm not a diversity hire. And you had a very strong but good opinion about that. So I had to adjust all of that, which means that I'm not the only recruiter approaching you, right? There are multiple recruiters connecting with you. So what I wanted to know is, is how did that shift happen? Because when you started, we weren't there, right? There, there was no focus on diversity. There was no focus on, on hey, we need to, to get uh, Black people, women, uh, people of color, uh, Latinx, et cetera, in. That wasn't the thing. But now you're suddenly hot. Yeah. And my feeling is that on one hand, it's nice. On the other hand, you're kind of kind of doubt if they're going to hire you for what you can do or for what you look like. So how is that experience for you at this moment? Because you have to be, be approached by way too many people suddenly. It sucks. <laughs> let me tell you, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. And let me tell you why. It's because yeah. I have a vision for, I have a vision for what kind of engineer I want to be, what kind of talent I want to be. Right. Yeah. And, um, I want, I would like the company to honor that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to just be another diversity high engineer out collecting checks. Like, I want to be great. Like, I want to be a great engineer. I want to be an example for other, for other black kids that they can go and be great engineers too. So to me, when you just try to come in and say, well, we just want to hire you to hire you because you, you know, you filling in the number, you filling their gap or, Hey, we found you like, I think about stuff like that, like, cause to me at the end of the day, like, I'm like, no, I want to be, I want to do good work and I want to yeah. do work that inspires other people that say, dang, like I didn't get a computer science degree or dang, I didn't get a boot camp, uh, boot camp certification or whatever it is, but I still became a great engineer because I did what was, was important, which was I studied, I busted my ass, I studied my ass off. I kept doing what I needed to do. I kept learning. I kept growing. Those are attributes that have zero to do with my skin color. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's, that's, that's straight merit. And that's what I am fighting for. Like I, I'm fighting for like, dude, yeah, I know I have to work twice as hard to get to the position that for some people they walk into. But when, when these companies approach me or something like that, I want you to understand I'm, it ain't just me. I'm not just, I'm not about to come in and just fill your bottom line and keep it moving. Like I want more people to come in. How, what are you doing to get more of us in here? And what are you doing to get more of us promoted? What are you doing to make sure more of us get the experience and the knowledge and everything that we need so we can go on and have great careers? Like it's not just a number, everybody not, it's not because it's not just about checks. No, no, and that's- It's not that's, just about checks. It's about empowering communities. It's about inspiring communities. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that, that worries me most, right? Um, I'm a weird one in that. So I have my engineering background and I was approached a lot and it's, well, based on merit. But I can only imagine that you at this moment mm -hmm. just get so much inbound and you just know why it is. It's 
it's the numbers game. You don't want that. So uh, I spent a lot of time on my effort for you, right? Um, I made sure you were, were very, very, very well aware of, of you're not a diversity hire. Great engineers don't need a degree. Great engineers don't need to have that school. They just need to know what the hell they're doing. That's it, right? I've been a technical director and a manager without a degree. Didn't do it either. Um, I was an engineer without an engineering degree. So you're listening to Dougal's Talks with your host, Mark Dougal. I couldn't even imagine. How, how, what could recruiters do to, to make that better? Because that's what a lot of recruiters are struggling with. Because there are actually people that, that do believe you are good. I want to hire you. And they want to make sure that it's not coming across as, hey, you're a diversity hire. Because that's, you. if you're a diversity hire, come on, you will never know if you were good enough. Right? And you want to know if you're good enough. Absolutely. So what, what can recruiters do? Is that something in their approach or... Absolutely. First thing I would tell a recruiter to do is like when you approach somebody, go in with the mind, go in with their thought process of learning about this person. Don't go in with the mindset of, all right, this is just another number. No, go in the thought process of like, what is this person's goals? What are you looking for? How are you looking to grow? And really understand what the, the team is trying to fulfill as far as that role. Does it align with that? Because that's going to dictate if that person goes in and they can actually flourish or if they're just going to go in and they're just going to be another body to do meaning, you know, meaningless work. You know what I'm saying? When you go in, when people's intentions align, not only for themselves, but for how they want to grow in their career and everybody's on the same page, like it's going to make for a way better experience because when that person gets on the team, like the team has a plan for them. They know how to onboard them. They know what they need to teach them so they can off and go be great and add value to the company um but that all starts at the very beginning i don't think i think sometimes uh recruiters might really lose sight of how important setting expectation and intention in the beginning is because it's nothing like going into it's nothing like talking to the recruiter and they paint this pretty picture of what this role is going to be and when you get in there that's not what it is and so now you over here spending time like you're that valuable experience that you could be getting elsewhere where somebody's actually, you know, empowering you and fulfilling you and, and making you more knowledgeable and you're actually adding value to the company. That role that you could be fulfilling, you're not even fulfilling that now. Yeah. You're just another person. You're just another body. And that's not good for anybody. So setting intentions and setting expectations properly and making sure that what this person is looking for aligns with what the team is trying to fit, fulfill is extremely important and you have to be considerate of that because you don't want to waste your time you don't want to waste their time i like that i like that so why did you respond to me then <laughs> oh man you were cool i ain't gonna lie like a lot of people it's funny man so most people slide my dms it, it, like so <laughs> people slide my dms all the time yeah. or at least they slide in my dms for job opportunities or something like that people slide my, my dms and, you know, a lot of times I just kind of look at it and I'm just kind of like, okay, who is this person? What do they do? What are they talking about? What company do they work for? And then a lot of times I just kind of like, let's see where the conversation goes. Like, let's see if they're going to just try to sell me on a job out the gate or if they actually going to try to like get to know me. Like, <laughs> like, are you actually trying to get to know me? Because, I mean, 
okay, cool. You have an SRE job that pays good money, X, Y, Z, da, 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 da. Like, all right, great. But what about me? Yeah. <laughs> like, what about what I want for my career? What about what I want to be as an engineer? That that I, That's how I'm thinking. Just like you thinking about, I'm trying to fill a little role. It's a whole bunch of roles out here trying to get fulfilled. So yeah. the fact that you're able to approach me with the energy of like, let me get to know you. Like, hey, man, I checked out a couple of your videos on YouTube. Hey, man, I seen you on Twitch. Like, this is cool. Like, let's talk. Like, let's let's chop it up. To me, you had already done some work. Yeah. So you at least knew kind of like what my energy was and what my vibe was and what I thought about things. So you had something and you were able to approach me in a way that felt like somebody actually was paying attention to what I was saying <laughs> and listening to what I was saying. That's why I put it out there. Like, it's like, dude, I need you to know what it is. That's nice because I've been trying to tell recruiters this quite a lot. Um, step down from the whole templated outreach and actually read instead of scan, read the profiles, do some research. If you really want a person, make it personal. Yes, it's going to take a little bit more time, but um, the result is there. Hey, you're here, Absolutely. right? <laughs> so we got you. So I got you in. You went through the process, right? You did an interview process. Um, now, every company interviews differently. Um, and, mm. and I don't have to explain uh, to you the value of making sure that you see some um, people with different backgrounds in the interview panel as well, right? Mm. Um, that's a huge issue because some teams don't have that. Some companies don't have that. So it's 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 a big complaint that we as recruiters get is, hey, we want to see more people of, of color or more women or whatever in that interview team. Now, this is a roadblock that we're all dealing with because not all companies have it yet. So... Uh, some companies have a rule, at least one person needs to be in there, et cetera, et cetera. So that topic is is pretty okay. I know the importance of that one, right? But now you get in. So we tell you, hey, we've got a great job for you. Um, this is where you're going to work. You come in, you know there's a DNI uh, program, et cetera, et cetera. And what happens when you get in? How's your experience there? Because I know that companies talk a lot, but yeah. The experience um, everywhere I've went has been, I'll say this, for the most part, you know, people definitely, people treat me with respect. Like, let's not get that misconstrued. Yeah. They treat me with, with respect. Um, however, <laughs> when it comes to experiences, like actually preparing me to, to do the job, and get me ready to do the job. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a struggle. Um, it's, it's a bit of a struggle. And it's always been that everywhere I've went. I think that's why I've built some. And, and some people, um, I would imagine some people build up certain habits as a result of failed onboarding experiences in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and of those failed onboarding experiences that I see is a big issue is when you don't create opportunities for relationship building. When you don't give someone a, when you don't come in, if you don't, if, if someone comes in yeah. and you know that they are not like anybody you've had on your team or not like, maybe they come from a different background. Maybe they don't, you know what I'm saying? They don't, let me be blank. Like it's, let's say you come on a team, it's all white people. Yeah. All white people. I'm glad I come on saying it's all white people. 
And now I'm in this position of I have to build trust with these people. Yeah. That's the most that's that's like the number one thing you have to do when you come into a company. I have to build trust with these people. So guess what that means? I have to sit back. Like I, I need someone to help me and navigate through that. I have to have people around that can help me and navigate through that because getting and understand understanding a, a new company culture is one thing, but when you're the only person that looks like you and you're having to learn how to build trust and you don't even know what kind of background these people might I, like somebody like myself may come from, how they've been burned in the past because of just mistrust and things like that. Like those things are things you have to take consider you have to take consideration of. Right. Because I think for a person of color going into these kinds of environments, it's going to always be a little bit harder to just lend your trust to people because you don't know how people will take information and what they'll do with it and how it can damage you in the background. So having people that are mentors, that can navigate you through people's personalities, that can navigate you through different scenarios or how to carry yourself at meetings and, and what to say and what not to say, and carry, how things go within that company culture is critical period like you have a person that's coming you have to have mentors for them to guide them so would you say this is a job for for uh your manager for an onboarding buddy or would you say that has to be somebody that is well familiar with this is a part this is a job for for a manager yeah. so if you have this new team person this team may coming in and you're like you know, nobody on the team is like really in a position to guide them, then you need to go, you need to go find a way to find somebody like, hey, is there somebody that's willing to onboard a new engineer? Maybe you have like, maybe you have a, a person that's on your team and they're Middle Eastern or something like that. And for comfort, maybe you want to say, hey, like, I want to have somebody there that they can at least make them feel comfortable, make them feel comfortable. Like, Hey man, like I get it. Cause you just speak a different, it's just sometimes the cultural is just a different language. Yeah. Is this culture is just a different language. Like, you know, Hey, like, you know, the, when you, when you schedule meetings like this, man, you might not want to go about it like this. You might want to paint them first, let them know on the side. Hey, are you free? Da, 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 da. Maybe check with them for like having people that can do that with you and speak in your language and talk to you and make you not feel stupid for asking certain questions is just is great. Yeah. Cause I'm not gonna lie. I've had moments where I ask questions, I just feel stupid. Like I'm just it's like, no, nah, you gotta go check the, go check here. If you go check here, you should know. You didn't see that in your onboarding or you know, people say it's like, dude, like, you know how much information I got thrown at me? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. in that small period of time, like and I'm trying to get to know all of these personalities. You got a lot of information being thrown at you at one time. So having somebody there to help you navigate that and navigate different relationships and navigate how people are and how culturally things are yeah. is just important. So I think, you know, like I said, when people come in, you know, have in mind, like, man, let me put them in an environment where they can get comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Let me find something. It, it don't even have, truth be told, it don't even have to be about race. It could be about just Maybe they just like being around people who talk about video games and movies and stuff all the time. Hey, I know you like this. I know you like this, man. Let me get you around some people over here. Like, like maybe they, they're cool. Maybe, you know what I'm saying? Those are people you feel comfortable with and you can find somebody in there or you can ask somebody in there to uh, be your mentor or here's how you go about finding a mentor here. You know what I'm saying? Like just sense. steps to go and find people that you can confide in. Yeah, yeah. You, can be, you can confide in or you can build a relationship with and build trust with. 
Yeah, because you can you mentioned a few things last time we spoke, right? One is um <laughs> the whole break first, ask later thing. Um <laughs> it's it's especially oh, in engineering. Yeah. Especially in engineering, everybody goes, oh, well, you break it first. Just try break it first and ask for forgiveness later. Um, but culturally, that doesn't work everywhere, right? No, no, I don't. That's no, that's that's a privileged mindset. I'm going to no. be real. That's a very privileged mindset to have. Um, I, I don't come from an environment where I get to break stuff first and ask questions later. I break stuff. That's my ass. Yeah. Like that's just kind of how I was when I grew up, you know. So um I, I didn't grow up with them everywhere I've been. I've always had the mentality of like, let me take, let me take a step back, let me learn, let me understand, let me ask questions, let me seek understanding first before I go and begin breaking things. Because if I break it, I best understand how to fix it. That's yeah. where I come from. You know what I'm saying? So that that is a culture very different. I like that because that's that's a huge difference in in, in cultural uh, thinking, but that's also true diversity, right? That's the, the the diversity that we should be looking for. It's a different mindset. It's a different approach. It's not so much, oh, we need a black person or we need a a, a woman on the team. It's that mindset that switch and that comes with culture. That's true, but that's the part that we should be looking for when we're looking for diversity, right? When you want to make a more diverse team, when Correct. you want to make sure that the team gets better, that's the part you need. And those cultures, those make the actual diverse in thought. Yeah, definitely. Hey, um, but um, you come in, um, you have a little bit of a different uh, cultural background, so you work a little bit different. Hey, even I, as I'm an engineer, right? And I go into HR and um, yeah, trust me, um, <laughs> it's a little bit different uh, for me. So I had to adjust quite a bit. But you mentioned something, and this is something I did experience myself, and that was that that first connection, right? When you come from a company, especially in the US, it's, oh, I went to this college, and I went to this college. Oh, now you're suddenly college buddies or university buddies, all those kind of things. You don't have that. So that's already a, a step where you, right? That's a barrier. Where you already have to do that. Oh, let's go canoeing to together uh, because we both canoe all the time. Those kind of things. It's flipping different. So you already have to conquer that difference, plus every pre-assumption that is made about you, because that's the hard part, right? The fact that oh, he didn't go to college or university, so that must mean he didn't learn this or understand that. Well, in my honest opinion. Well, basically, the best engineers that I know who never went to college or university, they had to learn everything by themselves. And that brings a different level of understanding. So how, how can we solve that? Absolutely. How, is that, again, that body system or do companies need to, to open, more, uh, open up more about it? I know that a lot of companies are dropping that whole bachelor degree, master degree, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because... In, in some cases, it's important. Look, if you're talking to lawyers, they really need to have that degree. That's That makes sense. Right? Period. If you're a doctor, yeah. you're a lawyer, you need a degree. Yeah. But in engineering, it's a little bit different. So what else can we do to actually be more inclusive? What what can we do except for dropping those kind of things and be more, more open and normal about it? What can we do? Absolutely. We got to, I think, uh, companies really need to get honest about what their baseline is. Yeah. I don't even really think people really understand what the true baseline is as far as skill set is concerned. 
And a lot of times I think it's because they don't understand the work that's being done all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like people don't even understand what work is being done. Like, like what do you need to do? Like, like I, I think it, I don't think it's hard to say like, hey man, we're dealing with Docker all the time. We deal with yeah. Docker all the time. So yeah, you do need to know how to Docker PS and you need to be able to understand Linux and you need to be able to understand this and maybe and come up with and come up with realistic scenarios to put people through that actually show them walking through those steps. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe you give them a homework assignment. Hey, like we need you to do this with this tool. They don't got nothing to do with your skin color. That's all your skill. That's like, hey man, I need you to go and Dockerize this thing and deploy in this environment. We're gonna give you some special credits, go do it. And that's your homework. And if you can do it, boom, you already passed the baseline. We know you baseline can have the skills to do it. You're bringing up something that um, that I personally hate, but would actually help. And that's the homework assignments. So I'm a, <laughs> I hate homework assignments, right? Uh, for engineers, basically all around, you apply for somewhere and then you have to do free work for two hours, three hours, four hours to prove yourself to go into the company. However, it would help with diversity a lot. So should we open that up more instead of just getting on the first interview? And also when we do those those tests, right? So a lot of companies are already, a lot of countries even are already experimenting with removing first last names, those kind of things from applications. Um, no pictures anymore, those kind of things. All for bias. No video calls. No video calls, right? So this is a thing. I love video calls. I like to see a person, but I guess that would help, right? Cutting the video and getting those those uh, those tests in. So how do you feel about that assessment tests? Yeah, there's something. I don't have an issue with it at a, at a certain point, but I think, like I said, you have to be honest about the baseline, right? Yeah. Like, what is the baseline? Like, actually being able to look, like if I'm, if I'm a hiring manager, I should be able to look at my backlog of items yeah. and be able to say, okay, this is the skill that's required to do this. This is the skill that's required to do this. This is the skill that's required to do this. And based upon what I will require for some from somebody to get this done, that's what I'm that's what my metrics is gonna be based on when I hire somebody. Like if I have I, real backlog items, not like not just, oh, I want I I I wish I had an engineer that can know that can be a Kubernetes expert or an engineer that's a Golang expert or not all of these fluff things that you well they have to know they have to know golang uh front to back but they write golang once a month yeah they write typescript once every blue moon they deploy a release once every blue moon so was that really a skill or a like is that was that really realistic was that fair to ask for this expert in something when that's not what you really needed no it's not <laughs> like yep. let's just be real it's not and, but that's also a form of, that's a form of the problem. They yeah. were not being honest about what you really need as far as the skill set is concerned. Now, you know what I'm saying? No, saying that you need a high level communicator and stuff like that, you can prove that. I can prove that I'm a high level communicator, whether it's through a written homework assignment or whether it's through you sitting here asking me questions about a system and I'm telling you what I think about the system or how, how I troubleshoot that system or how I kind of traverse that hierarchy or whatever it is. Yeah. Like I can prove that that's provable. These are things that are provable. And if somebody can come in and they have a good attitude and they can meet these baseline metrics, they deserve an opportunity. 
they deserve an opportunity. They deserve a shot. And that's yeah. and, and that's all I'm saying. Like, regardless of their forget their name. Like we said, we're taking the name out, we're taking the pictures off, we remove the video. Can you talk to me? Is it a nice conversation? Can it flow? Can we talk? Can we be productive? Can we have productive conversation? Can you, can you write verbally? Can you can you write down thoughts? Can like actual complete thoughts and communicate with other people with complete thoughts and ideas and, and help the conversation move forward. Uh, you know, and can you do you have the skills to be able to do ABC? You know what I'm saying? Can you go in SSH into a host and do, you know, tell me how many bad uh, containers or unhealthy containers are on a host? Can you actually SSH into a host and actually uh, print out the logs and communicate what's going on to another party. Those are actual skills. Yeah, I agree. That has nothing to do with my skin color. You know what I'm saying? That has nothing, and you can find ways to create opportunities to give a person to prove that. And then at the very least, if they can prove that baseline and they can communicate the ideas and they understand what's going on, they can show they, they have this skills. They deserve a shot. Yeah. They deserve a shot. Like, not like, that's, that's just that simple. Is re- it, it should be married based. That's what this whole thing has always been about. I don't know why people make this way more difficult than what it is. It's about I don't care. It, it, I don't. I don't want to be hired just to be a black person. I want to be hired because I'm actually good enough to be here. Yeah, that's married. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the actual so, problem, and, just, and that's fair. Yeah, and that's the actual problem because that's what I'm seeing right now is that a lot of people get hired because of diversity numbers and they must think by themselves so you get two issues one the person themselves think like should i be here uh am i hired for the right reason and the team might think and this is where it goes wrong the team might also think like oh they hired that person because they needed the numbers and then you get a discrepancy mm-hmm. be- between those people because the one is proving themselves i'm i belong here and the other team is like yeah they probably went through an easier phase than I did or went through an easier process than I did. And you get that that cross balance where it absolutely goes wrong. Well, already determining what you said, knowing what to hire for and actually being able to say, okay, this person met this criteria was, I don't know, above average of this one. This person uh, deserves to be here. When the whole team knows that, it might already change that whole mindset between people because a lot of people just think like, oh, that person must be hired because she's a woman, because we didn't have any women on the, on the I don't know, board of directors. If you're the only one woman or black person on the board of directors, what are you going to mm-hmm. think? Did they hire me because I'm black or a woman or did they hire me because I'm that great? And that's what the whole flipping team is thinking about uh, probably right. as well. So... What a lot of companies are doing now is is building a, what they call structured interviewing. Structured interviewing is what we did with you. We give everybody the exact same questions. I think that's a start for for removing ourselves from that whole stupid bias thing, because that's yeah, because that's happening. The hey, bias, um, absolutely. What tips would you give a company uh, to to improve their 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 diversity, not their numbers, but their actual actual belonging inclusion part what kind of tips would you have for them you're listening to Dubel's talks with your host mark Dubel. absolutely 
Um, on the inclusion path, I, I think a lot can be improved as far as like making sure people have yeah. an actual pathway, a career pathway. And no matter who they are when they come in, everybody has a pathway. And, they, and this is something that they constantly communicate with their managers and HR. You know, everybody's kind of on the same page about making sure this person is on a path to progress if they choose to. Um, as well as making sure that there are check-ins in place to make sure this person is actually doing good and they're actually taught, like some type of system that actually says when this person came in, obviously they had to spend X amount of time to go learn this. Okay, cool. Like have they progressed? Are they are they doing well or are they not doing well? And if they're not doing well or they're not playing or they're not performing the way we expected, where are we falling short? Are we not is this something that we're not educating them on? Is this somebody that we need to allow them to spend time with? Um, is there what what conversation that we need to have to make sure that they're that they good, that they still in a race, that they're in a race and that and that they understand that we're here on the journey with them. Right. Um, and then even going beyond that, making sure there are groups and making sure that there are places that they know about that they can go and create people that are not necessarily on their team. Because you don't you never know. Somebody may not necessarily find their home or their best friend or whoever you want to call it, their confidant on their team. It could be very well somebody else on another team. So you have to make sure you're creating opportunities for people to network and and, and connect with other people that are not typically in their space right so like just because you on the cloud side doesn't mean you only have to hang out with the cloud people definitely true yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying you can go yeah you can go hang out with the marketing people you can go hang out with the finance people you might you can go hang out with anybody but you got to create those opportunities for people to come together so they can they can start garnering those relationships because truth be told those relationships is what's going to keep people at a company it's the people it's people is who people stay for like the company, sometimes companies going to be what they're going to be. Like, there's no such thing as a perfect company. Like, let's just be clear. But when you have good people around you and you have people that keep you, like, give you a reason to wake up and want to come to work every day because maybe you want to talk to them about your kids' uh, basketball game or you want to talk to them about basketball or you want to talk to them about whatever, like, yeah, like, you want to make sure that those people have those opportunities to build those relationships with people. So continue to create opportunities to cultivate relationships and cultivate culture around the company so that people know like so that people have opportunities to find those people that's going to keep them there for the next 5 10 15 20 years because these people are spending significant amounts of their life with these people around them so they might as well get to be able to be around people that they like makes, or that they want to be around sense. and actually that that should be happening everywhere anyways but it, it never does hey um i'm gonna ask you for two two other things one is tips for recruiters of course so my audience is mostly recruiters recruiting managers um we already talked a little bit about what they could do better right especially in outreach so where where could we as recruiters improve and it's it's maybe not just even for the whole diversity subject but where can we approve as recruiters um i would definitely say Recruiters, man, you got to understand people are people first, man. Like, that's what it is at the end of the day, man. Understand these people are coming with a whole lot of baggage, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, or I wouldn't say a lot of baggage, but they have their own concerns, too, when it comes to life. So being able to empathize and understand, like, how you're actually helping them. Because when you present an opportunity, obviously, this opportunity should be trying to improve the state of their life, whether it's making them happier whether it's putting them in a position to better take care of their family, 
whether it's putting them in a position to continue to grow their career so they can help their family or create other opportunities for people, you got to go into it with that mindset of like, man, how can I help this person grow? How can I help this person add to their story? You know what I'm saying? Like, these are not just people, everybody, it's not just I'm looking for a job. It's like, this job is going to be the foundation for them to tell, to be able to create whatever story that they're trying to create, whether it's buying, you know, buying themselves a house or being able to buy them while they're, buy their fiance's a, a, a wedding ring or whether it's be able to, to help fund their kids' soccer yeah. team uh, registrations. You know what I'm saying? Like this job is going to help them build their life. Um, and just go into it with that thought process. Like, how can I help them build? How can I help them add this next chapter to their story? Um, and, you know, I, I think it just creates a, a place to empathize with them. And it also creates a place of alignment. Because if, you know, you got a team that you're hiring yeah. for and everybody parents, and they got kids. And you got this person yep. with a kid, guess what? They got something in common. They got a bridge that they, they can build. You see what I'm saying? So when you empathize with these people, when you go into it, understanding that, hey, I'm here to help them continue yeah. making their story better than what it was. You know what I'm saying? Whatever's important to their story, whatever they consider priorities to their story, then, you know what I'm saying? That's a great place to start with anybody. You know what I'm saying? That's a great place to start. So I like that. What would you give to uh, as a tip to young engineers? People in the same situation you went, right? How would you how would you be able to because this is your way to to basically spread the word, right? How would you help people with the same background as you did? How what would you give them as a tip? Man, understand what you're doing it for. You know what I'm saying? Really understand what you're doing it for and make sure you hold on to that. Every time you go into an interview, you let people know this is what I'm doing it for. So like even in the space that I'm in. And, you know, I put myself on the market or I put, you know, or, or however I would do it. Um, I would let people know, like, you know, this is my motivation. My motivation is my mother. You know what I'm saying? I really want to take care of my mother. You know what I'm saying? Everything that I do as far as the work and, and trying to be a great engineer and trying to grow my career and, and trying to help others is to create more opportunities for other people. But really for me to to better take care of my mom. You know what I'm saying? My mom comes from a background where, uh, you know, she's a black woman, single black woman. You know what I'm saying? I was raised by a single black mother. And, you know, uh, I'm going to be honest, like, you know, her work life hasn't really been the friendliest to her. You know what I'm saying? She didn't get the opportunities that I got. She don't have the 401ks and the saving plans and all that kind of stuff because she was just fighting to take care of me and to survive. So for me, you know, as I go into my career and I kind of see her going to that last quarter of her life, like I want to make sure she's taken care of. I love that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that that's really what it is. Like I want to make sure I'm paying it forward to my mother. And that's a part of my story. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I need people to understand that, that that's when I come in and I'm working. You know, I'm struggling and stressing and having anxiety and all this kind of stuff and going into my cocoon and all that kind of stuff. This is because I'm thinking about her and making sure that she good. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm stressing because I want it to work. I want it to work. Yeah, I'm good motivation. Yeah, yeah man. That's, that's it. Like, I want this to work. I don't want to, like, I don't want to just leave this company or I don't want to just bounce from company to company. I don't want to be, you know what I'm saying? Like, when I come to a company and I commit my energy yeah. to something, I come here to make it better. Because if I help y'all grow, y'all gonna help me grow. Yeah. And if I grow, guess what? That's better for my mother. You know what I'm saying? It's better for my family. So that's 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 one thing I'm gonna say to all the young engineers out there, man. Remember what you're doing it for. 
remember what you're doing it for and, and hold on to that. And if you feel like somebody is not is not invested in what you're trying to do and how you're trying to help your family or your friends grow, help your situation grow, then, man, you know, keep it moving. Find somebody is going to be invested because at the end of the day, like, that's what your effort is going to be based off of. Your effort is going to be based off of who you do it for, not just because you get a check because yeah. checks are all, this money out there. You know what I'm saying? It's like all this that. stuff is out like there. That. Hey, uh, Reggie, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I know you're a very, very, very busy person. Absolutely. Um, so, so thanks a lot. Um, I hope my listeners uh, got some wisdom from this, um, and it was really cool to have you on the show, man. Thanks. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much, man, and thank you for continuing to try to be a change agent. You know what I'm saying? I want to also put that out there. Thank you for continuing to be a change agent and actually having real conversations that that are going to help people get more opportunities and, and have and have companies get better talent so that they become better businesses and provide better value. So thank you for that. Well, that's a wrap. And thanks for listening to this episode. And thanks again to my amazing guest, Reggie. I'm of course curious about your thoughts on the topic and would love to hear from it. As usual, the opinions on this show are our own and not that of our employer. And speaking of employers, like I said, I had a cool announcement to make. So Friday on the 4th of June this year, it will be my last effective day as Elastic. After three and a half years, I will be leaving this amazing company and will start a new adventure. Working at Elastic has been a very positive and special experience. And I've met the most amazing people in the world. We went through hypergrowth, we still are, we went to a successful IPO and we skilled our teams like crazy. It's been truly an amazing and impressive ride and I learned so much about recruitment over there. I've enjoyed every day I worked there, but it's time for something new, something fresh, a new challenge. So you've got the scoop. I'll have a short break until I start at a company that has an amazing reputation when it comes to remote work. They even created the first head of remote position and you can hear about their experiences everywhere. They open sourced their complete way of working. They have a handbook counting more than 10,000 of pages where they actually describe every part of the process that they have. Their product is simply amazing and I have a feeling that they will experience a similar hyper growth as I used to experience at Elastic. And it's a really fun spot to be in as a recruiter. So as of June 14th, I'll be joining another company founded in the Netherlands. And yes, of course, I'm proud of that. I'll be joining GitLab to build out their engineering teams. And I'm going to do that again, fully remote. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, be well, and I'll be back in two weeks. Mm-hmm.